Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi. I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honored to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Jamal Javanji is a best-selling author, podcaster, and full-time life coach. As an author with over 20 years of experience working with people in various stages of personal struggle and challenges, after traveling to many cultures around the globe and now as a full-time coach, Jamal is passionate about serving individuals, couples, companies, and groups on the path toward enlightenment, wholeness, and liberation. Jamal shows us how we can live for a living and how not all coaches are created equal. Welcome, Jamal, to The Ethical Evolution. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Bindi. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for joining me. Now, you're coming to us all the way from California. Uh, for those who haven't heard of you, can you go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. You know, I am a life coach by profession. Uh, as you mentioned, I live in Southern California. It's about an hour and a half east of Los Angeles, uh, originally from Ohio, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Um, my dad, I come from, you know, multi-ethnic background. My dad uh, grew up in a little island off the east coast of Africa, actually, called Zanzibar. Oh. And um, my mother lived in Ohio, and they were pen pals and um, <laughs> wrote to each other for six years. Kind of an epic story, how they got together. But um, but I grew up in, in Ohio uh, with a very diverse cultural background, very diverse religious backgrounds. My Dad was a devout Muslim, mm. and my mom was a devout Catholic. She actually was going to be a nun before my dad proposed in the letter. So um, I grew up with uh, those backgrounds. I've always been inquisitive, always asked a lot of questions, um, just observed life, observed them, observed their perspective on life, and uh, was always asking the deeper questions. So that caused me some dis discontent as a child because mm. I started to see through certain things. And, um, but at the same time, it's been the greatest gift because it's, it's led me to, uh, to where I am right now, which is, um, being in a very non-resistive, uh, relationship with life. And in a nutshell, that's the work that I do is helping people get out of resistance to life just so that we can stop suffering. So there's a whole thing in that, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. Mm, yeah. And I can already tell there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Jamal. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, you you know it makes complete sense that that you're now like a life coach because you know being curious and asking all the questions and and not just accepting the status quo I mean that that really is the the DNA of a life coach really um so I mean what kind of things do you do when you're working with people now like what kind of change are you creating with them yeah that's a good question you know I I, I like to well, even the word coach, right? So when you talk about life coaching, it can mean a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of, it's different than the, for example, like therapy, you know, mm-hmm. the therapeutic world. It's more regulated, at least here in the States, it's it's very regulated industry. But coaching is uh, kind of the wild west of, <laughs> could could be lots of things, right? Yeah. It could be some, some kinds of therapy, it could be spiritual work, it could be um, motivation, just lots of things. But mm. in my my understanding of coaching, even the word coach comes from the time before there was modern transportation. When somebody was going to go on a journey, uh, they would hire a coach and a coach was just somebody that would drive the kind of the horse and buggy from one place to another, because it involves a sense of journey movement destination kind of a thing. So we all, I say this, you know, life, any, whether no matter what kind of life it is, it could be, a seed that you put in the ground, a, a tree, you know, an apple seed you plant and it becomes an apple tree. It could be an insect, an animal or a human being. Every piece of life has within it a trajectory, mm-hmm. a sense of this is what it will be when it's fully manifested, when it's fully developed. And until we reach that, whatever that is for that piece of life, until we reach that crescendo, mm-hmm. there's going to be a drive in us that wants to keep moving forward and expanding. And that's very satisfying actually. So when we are moving in the, in a, in a direction that is in alignment with our quote unquote, our design, if we want to put it that way, it feels very, I mean, the life has challenges, but it's, it feels, you know, uh, abundant and it feels expansive. Mm -hmm. But if, if some reason, you know, along the way, because of a lot of reasons, right. could be trauma, could be, you know, just our history in some way, shape or form. If something gets in the way, our programming, our constructs get in the way of our movement, Mm -hmm. we can feel it energetically. We feel stuck. We feel limited. And um, it's kind of like being on a journey and, you you know, you hit a roadblock, you can't get where you want to go. So coaching, the kind of coaching I do involves, let's get really clear about what you, where you're going. And that has has to do with sometimes getting clear about our, our desires. And that sounds very simple, but you know, I lived most of my life completely unconscious to what I really wanted mm. true, deep core desires in my life. And so, so uh, coaching involves getting clear about where is it that you want to go? Not just like goals you want to set, but deep, like, like at the end of the day, what do you want said about your life? What do you want to have your life represent and getting clear about that? Sometimes that's a, that's a very, uh, that's not a, that's, that's a, it involves a lot of conscious effort to get to that point. Um, and then helping us take inspired action, getting clear about what that would be, and then taking inspired action to get us 
moving again on our journey. And that's really kind of the coaching I do. Yeah. And I've, I've just come from another conversation with someone who's also a life coach. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm also a, a spiritual coach. So um, what, a, what a mix mm. we are. But, um, you know, one of the things that keeps coming up is that, yeah, it, it's anything to everyone. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And it's got a bit of a bad rep in recent years, I think, because anybody can do it. Anybody can, you know, have a go. Um, but I think the difference is um, the way that they work. So, you know, I, w- I was just having a conversation um, about <clears throat> therapists and finding a therapist that works for you. It's the same with any coach, uh, mentor, anything in life, doctor, whatever it might be. Do your research. Make sure you find someone that works for you um, and is a good fit for you. You know, it's like it's like if you go to buy clothes, you wouldn't go and just accept the first thing off the rack, would you? You know, you'd find something that fits and is comfortable and makes you look good, right? It's no different than finding a coach regardless of what specialty they have. Um, and I think that's something that people probably aren't aware that they can do. It's like you don't just have to accept the first person that shows up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, it's, mm. it's, it's a great piece of advice. And sometimes when we feel like our options are limited, that's when we, we when we make decisions from that per- perception that there's not enough, not enough choices, not enough resources, whatever it may be. That's when we end up making decisions that typically take us out of alignment mm. with ourselves. And so I always say, you, you will know it. You can trust your energy doesn't lie. Um, it'll, it'll direct you. And if you can just approach any situation with, Hey, there's plenty, plenty of time and resources. And and that sounds crazy to some people. I say, mm. if you just, just assume it, there's always enough time and resources that, that resistance, that internal pressure will dissipate. And that's where we make the best decisions is when there's no quote unquote, that pressure coming from a perception of lack. There was something you said there a minute ago, Jamal, that made me think, you know, it's a perspective that I don't think many people take when they look at, you know, what, what they really want to do in life and who they really are and, and finding themselves, you know, like one of the things I do in my coaching, it's about, it's about finding your purpose and, and connecting mm-hmm. with yourself. So, you know, there's so many of us that go through life that we have no self-awareness, no consciousness. We can't even hear ourselves um, amongst mm-hmm. all the noise and chatter um, or even know what we really want out of life. And there's so many people who, one, don't get asked, what do you really want? And when they do, it's just this silence of crickets. It's like they have no idea because they've never had to think about it. They've never had to ask themselves. And then no doubt you probably get people who come to you and you have that same conversation where it's like, so what is it you really want? Like if there was, you know, any blue sky thing you wanted in life what do you really want go for it and they they just freeze don't they totally absolutely and that's the thing you know um i I tell people that we all have you know what is currency you know currency the root word of currency is current which is energy right and we all have the same energy it's and and where you put it is focusing you know, the direction of it. Whatever you put your focus on will will thrive. It'll flourish. It's just the it's the nature of of of, of existence of creation. Mm. Whatever you can, you know, the whole saying that's popular in the coaching world where where focus goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is that 
unless we're very clear about where that focus is going to go, it it there's tendencies, right? There's programming. Some people call it the karmic imprints or whatever you want to call it. What happens is that programming or record from the past that's basically an accumulation of memory and um, you know your your karmic patterns from your life and also from even before that, right? From generations previous set us in a certain trajectory. We're not always conscious of this. So if you're not conscious about where your life is going to go, where your focus and energy is going to go, the programming will take it by default. It'll just go in a direction. Mm-hmm. And, and typically it's not a direction of our choosing and it's not what we want. And that's why it feels, uh, that's what we feel stuck because it's not in alignment with who you actually are. Because when you're in alignment, it feels amazing. It feels mm-hmm. expansive. It feels empowering. But when we're not in alignment with that di- direction. We know it because we feel stuck. So people know really quickly when they're not thriving. You just know it. You feel it. You feel stuck. There's a lack of energy. There's a lack of sense of optimism, a lack of hope in that sense. And but when I ask people a lot of times, like what is it, what is it that you want? It's it's a it's a challenging question, not because it's it's difficult to comprehend, but because in order to answer the question about what you truly want, that's satisfying. There, it actually you actually have to have access to your core, to your an essence of who you actually are. In order to have access, that requires stillness. It requires space, and it's just you know. And I don't want to sound like you know every generation is like oh the younger generations you know, but I, I kind of am going to sound like that because what I'm observing is that because of and I love technology. I'm a fan. I use it, but there are certain drawbacks. So I think we're still discovering how to best use this to our advantage. What's happening is I think we're losing, this is just my perspective here. We're losing the ability at a cognitive level to hold space for ourselves and other people. And this is affecting our relationships is affecting ourselves because there's always something that's taking up that space. And mm. in order to really listen and get clear about who you are, what you want in life, there needs to be a lot of just space. And that that's, that's silence. That's non-resistive energy, non-resistive space internally. And, uh, you know, we get, we're, our minds are busy, our energy's busy, lots of resistance going on. And when that's happening, it's hard to actually hear yourself, your heart, your essence. And so, a lot of times in coaching, we we have to start very simply by creating that space and helping people start to create space for them to get in touch with themselves. Mm. And yeah, I've had I've had clients where, um, you know, like just trying to find because one of the things I'm a bit like Marie Kondo a little bit <laughs> in that I try to get them to spark joy just just in the smallest Beautiful. ways, you know, mm-hmm. and. You know, there's some people where you're just like, okay, just tell me like what what really lights you up. What do you love doing? Like it can just be the smallest thing. Just think of it, whatever it is, you know, just tell me whatever it is. And I had this one person, no matter what I threw at her, not, it was it was not, not, there was no joy anywhere. I'm like, come on, let's just think back to a time when you were really happy, you know, you felt alive, you felt joy. Tell me what you were doing. And she had to really dig deep, like, to find that. And I'm like, okay. And we finally got there. And I'm like, okay, so if you were to do that now, what would it be like? And she was like, oh, 
So it, you know, to trying to break people's patterns in their head sometimes can be really mm-hmm. tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to make them see a different perspective. And, and I guess the point I was leading to before I went down this rabbit hole was <laughs> that um, I think it's a really interesting perspective to say to people, begin with the end in mind. You know, yes. like if you were to think about if you were to leave this plane, what what would you want your legacy to be? What would you want people to think of you? What would you want to leave behind? People don't totally. think about that. They're so stuck in the now, well, then half the time they're not even in the now, they're stuck right. in the past, um, that they can't even think of, hmm, who am I and what do I want to do here and what do I want to leave behind? What impact do I want to make? Nobody thinks of that, do they? They don't. They don't. And, and, and I don't. And I think a lot of times because we're we're in such a reactive state, mm. as you mentioned, um, we're reacting. And when we're reacting, I always say there's a difference between reacting and responding. Big mm. difference. Mm. But the react reactive state has to do with usually a past reference point, right? Where life feels a certain way, so we're reacting to something that that feels like a problem or an issue. So whenever we're doing that. Um, we're not really able to even get out of because you're, you're you're kind of in a survival mindset at that point, which is the fight or flight mechanism, which keeps our focus just on trying to make it to the next next day. You know, trying to just make it through life. When you're just trying to make it, you're not really thinking about what where you're trying to go. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, you know, and this has been said a lot, but it's so true. It's it's um, you know, if you get on a plane, if you buy a plane ticket, and you're going to take a trip. There's no ambiguity. That pilot who's flying that plane is very clear, and they're mm. they're going to communicate to you really clearly. This is where the plane lands. This is where you're. This is where you're going. Because if if you're not clear about that, you don't get there. And it's like that whether it's a plane, whether you're on a ship, whether you're in a car. You know, unless you're just aimlessly driving for the sake of that. Uh, you know, just enjoying yourself on a, on a joyride or something. That's different. But if you're if you're going somewhere. You, you literally need to know where that's going to be. So that's exactly what you're saying. Begin with the end in mind because uh, that's a key component here. You don't get where you don't set out to go. Mm. Um, and it sounds really simple, but we don't do that. We're not trained to think that way about our life. And I don't mean like get rigid about the plans because so much of our life, I know we can't script. I totally mm. understand that. But the bigger picture, this when it when you start tapping into what is it that you want your life to feel like? What do you want to, how, how do you want to experience your life in the end? When you're looking back on your, like, let's say you're on your deathbed and you're recounting the life that you spent. What do you want that to feel like at that point? That's when you'll start to get clear. Mm. That takes space. Yeah. Do you want it full of regrets or do you want it full of satisfaction and fulfillment? That's right. Mm, I think we all know what we want. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, for people to work out what that looks like and and feels like in the interim um, can be tricky. How do you help people find that? Well, first, as I mentioned, first and foremost, we have we need to to get out of a resistive state with life. And so first thing we do is we start working with folks to – a lot of people come to me and they say, I want to change my life. I say, that's great. That's fantastic. But it's much simpler than you think and much harder and much easier. So they're like, what is, which is it? I'm like, well, it, let, instead of thinking about changing your life, I said, let's just think about what would it look like to 
to have a really fantastic day. Let's let's work on changing our day, not not our whole life. Because what is a life at the end of the day? Um, that's your life, right? If you get to the end of your life, what is it? String of days. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, I I love this construct. I just love the fact that we're so ingrained with nature. The earth is spinning on its axis. The sun comes up, it goes down. We go to sleep, we wake up. It's, it's a beautiful setup because I feel like it's a, such a great picture of birth and death every single day. You get a do-over. Mm. And so doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It's gone. The past is gone. You don't experience the past. You, and even when the past happened, it wasn't the past. It was still the present moment. So when you wake up every day, it's today. Literally, the whole your whole life is today. So you get a fresh lease on life. You get to decide the way you're going to experience it. The day doesn't decide you do. Now, there's could be a lot of events. So our life is different than the events. You know, uh, sometimes when we when people talk about their life, we're not really sure. I have to get people aren't really sure what they're talking about. Sometimes they're talking about their cars, they're talking about their relationships, they're talking about their money, their 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 careers, their houses. It's like, oh, those those are all accessories. Mm. But it's not your life. Your life is this moment. Is is this consciousness that I'm experiencing in this moment? So. First thing we do is help people start to wake up to their life and approach, how are you going to approach this moment? And so there's a whole process to reducing resistance and making some key daily decisions that will help people get out of a resistive relationship with life and more of a, into a flow with life so that uh, we can, we can begin to get um, energy income start coming in because a lot of people are just tired and uh, they're just worn out and beat down and can't really do much because, you know, energetically speaking, uh, we're broke. So whenever we're spending more than we're taking in, there's a deficit. And energetically speaking, that's always happening. So I always say, if we can get out of resistance with life, you will find income. Mm. It's like sleeping. What? Why do we wake up with energy? It's because we have spent many hours in a non-resistive state. So we wake up with energy. It's, it's like that in life too. If we can learn to be in a non-resistive state with life, energy starts to increase. And it's subtle but it grows. And that energy income, it's like starts to build a surplus. And then we can take that in a certain direction. But first things first is reduce the resistance, create space so that we can begin to see and hear where we want to go in life. Mm. And there's people probably listening now, Jamal, that are going, well, that all sounds good, mate. But like, (laughs) how do we get out of this resistive state? (laughs) Well, First thing, first thing I like to do, anybody I work with, is we start talking about um, the fight or flight mechanism that's that we all have called the sympathetic nervous system. And that's the stress. That's the survival state, right? So I always tell people, first things first, is you never want to begin your day, just from very practical speaking, you never want to begin your day in that state. Because when you wake up, very naturally what happens is when we wake up out of sleep, we're, we're very relaxed. We're in this relaxed state. This is why a lot of times people will have inspired thoughts first thing in the morning before they kind of get into their day is because there's, you're in this relaxed state. That means when you're in a relaxed state, you actually have, you're in touch with a different dimension. Mm. I know that sounds really weird, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's more subtle dimension, but that dimension, my understanding is, um, is that, that, that dimension is actually where all, um, solutions can be found. It's, 
it's it's uh if we get into quantum mechanics we call that the quantum field this is where the energetic resources all are it's the same energy that brought in my understanding it's the same energy that brought everything into existence you actually have more access to it when you're in a relaxed state so when you wake up we're typically in that state but then we start jumping into reactive mode right the the programming takes over we're you know some people are off you know trying to get ready to go to work or running out the door or responding to family or whatever it may be. But I, but I, I, I always tell people it's really important that you begin the day, not from a place of obligation or duty, but from a place of conscious presence to say, I am, my being is the most important aspect. It's the most important currency I have. So if you leave yourself behind and, and go off and face your day, you're actually leaving your uh, your whole life behind. And the reason you show up anywhere and do anything is, is to bring yourself. I know mm-hmm. that sounds really cliche. So you can't, you can't start the day without yourself. So I always say, start the practice. It's a simple meditative practice, very simple, especially, you know, in the beginning meditation can be lots of things. Uh, there's lots of different kinds of meditation that you can go as deep as you want to go with meditation. But I always like to say, let's just start simple. And by simple, I don't mean, insignificant or ineffective, but just very simple, just through the breath. We have a superpower through our breath. And, you know, I recommend a five minute practice in the beginning where you just breathe in through the nose for four seconds. You begin to, you know, people sit on the floor, cross leg position or in a chair with your right ankle over your left ankle, hands, palms open on your lap, back kind of straight and just to close your eyes and take a deep breath in through the nose, four seconds in through the nose, hold it for two and then eight seconds on the exhale through the mouth. Just a simple, I, I call that four, two, four, two, eight breathing box mm-hmm. breathing. So four, two, eight breathing, four seconds in, hold it for two exhale for eight seconds, deep breath coming from the belly. Just that simple exercise. What happens is when you breathe in through the nose, you're stimulating the vagus nerve. Uh, which then is like an on-off switch for the sympathetic nervous system. So it turns off the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight. And when that gets shut down and turned off, something called the parasympathetic nervous system begins to be activated. And that is, if if the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight, the parasympathetic is rest and digest. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a whole different state of being. And when you're in rest and digest mode, you have access to that dimension that inspired dimension that's within you where everything you need can be accessed from that but it, it takes a while to cultivate that and to begin to um to begin to begin your day from that place so then when you begin your day from that place you you're more in a responsive mode versus a reactive mode so we we start with just a simple exercise um of that um first thing in the morning and uh and then we go from there, but that's, that's an example of mm. how to get, how to start changing your day. Mm. And that, that simple, you know, activity mm-hmm. can make such great change. Like, and I know there's probably people listening who go, you bang on about meditation all the time because I actually produce meditations as well. Um, but if you can make a daily practice of it, like it actually changes your brain waves. And it changes 100%. your nervous system because it's not going to be completely jacked up all the time. Um, and your brain's going to work a whole lot differently. Um, I mean, mm. people 
wouldn't believe that my whole concept of um, ethical change agency came about through vision after a meditation because my brain was in that state that it could oh. hit a creative space and just download everything and make it a reality. And well, that was that, through through meditation. So, and, you know, a lot of my ideas and like there's so much I've created and so much that I, I say I get downloads and I do um, is because I'm putting my brain into that state where, you know, I'm mm. shutting off everything else and I'm making that space for those things to happen. And if we don't do that, we're just completely jacked up all the time, our nervous system's firing and we just feel exhausted all the time and not inspired. Um, you know, you don't, you just don't have that fire in you. That's so amazing. I, and I love, I love what you're saying here because here we are, we're having this conversation on your podcast, Ethical Change Agency. Um, we're having this, you're in Australia, I'm in Southern California. We're having this amazing conversation that would, that literally is a creation from literally space, right? Mm -hmm. Where you were in a meditative space, you create this idea came and now there's a creation and here it is, this happening in real space and time, physical, physical things are happening and there's a product being created and put out into the world. And that, that is a profound thing. And my, you know, my dad, I used to have these conversations with my dad, you know, and like, like I said, he grew up in uh, East Africa, a uh, very impoverished part of the world and had a very much a mindset of, you know, scarcity and mm. fight or flight. And my, I was always a dreamer and I would say things about dad, what if, what if we did this or what would have, and he, his, the thing he would always love to say to me, and I, I understand where he's coming from, but he would say it because he was trying to help me think realist, quote unquote, realistically, he would say, where's the money going to come from for that? Mm. We're going to get the money for that. And every time he would say that, it was just like, oh, just kind of a, yep. a let down. It was a, oh, well, I guess that was just a dream. He said, yeah, you can't, you know, these pie in the sky ideas, they just, where, where's the money going to come from? He'd always bring it back to that. And then, you know, again, it took me a long time to unpack that programming. And now I like, what I like to say is, I was like, well, I don't, Where's the money going to come from? What's going to, where's, where did the money come from uh, to create the planet? That's a ridiculous statement, right? But like, how much money did it take to mm. create Earth? How much money did it take for the solar system to come about or the universe? Like, you know, where, where, where it came from? And obviously, it came, it's a ridiculous question, but it came from, at first, just a complete concept or intention or idea and inspired, um, possibility. So it's, it's not like when you draw from that, there's less, you know, I wrote a book in 2019 and I was sitting, most of the book was written in coffee shops. I was sitting in, I, one of the things I like to do is when I travel, especially when I travel internationally, I like to go to different cities and people watch and watch folks from different cultures and sit in a coffee shop. Well, that's what I did. And a lot of the, my life's processing uh, came out of those moments of just space where I'm sitting in coffee shops and eventually a book was written and is now exists in the world. It's a tangible physical thing that people get and read through. And it, where did it come from? It's like where the podcast came from, right? It's that source. And it's not like there's less of it now. Like, Oh, well, gosh, uh, Bindi created this podcast. Now there's less material from the source. It, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's infinite. And it's mm -hmm. like, if you had access to an infinite 
whole, like if anybody, if you would talk to him, say, what if you had a bank account with an infinite number in it? Would that be great if you could access that for your life? Like you could just, whatever you needed, you could just dip into that. Nobody would, would turn that down, but it literally, Mm. it's, it's, that is a metaphor. Um, This is reality. Like tapping into this infinite source is something we all have access to. And, um, and I'm, I'm just a huge fan of of tapping into it myself and helping people do that because that's where your life gets created from. It can at mm. least. And and these things take practice. You know, they don't happen overnight. Yes. They're not a they're not a one hit wonder. Um, <clears throat> it does take practice. And I know there's people who who struggle to to silence the noise and to to meditate and to switch off. But I think you know when you can reach that level of of consciousness. Um, and actually just letting go, um, I think mm-hmm. once you experience that and you can feel that and, and, and bank that feeling and sort of go, yeah, I really love that, it's almost like a, a, a bit of a drug. It's almost like a little bit addictive but in a good way, you know. Um, sure. And if you can use that as your positive motivation every day to actually make sure you do that activity because it's actually going to pay off. It's almost like you are making that deposit every day into you so that you can have that space to make change in your life. Absolutely. It's an investment for sure. Mm. You know, and that's the idea of an investment. You're, you're spending something, but there's a return. Mm. And, you know, what are you spending? Well, you're spending your, your capital in the sense of there's a lot of things you could be doing. Because a lot of times, you know, when you sit down, even if it's just for five minutes to sit in a chair to breathe, the mind is going to sit, going to remind you of all the things that you need to be doing or should be doing or could be doing. And so you're, you're spending, you're choosing to say, I'm going to put my currency, which is my focus Mm. right here. And I'm going to let those, let those thoughts just go. And that is an investment, but Mm. the return on that investment, I mean, how do you quantify that? (laughs) You know, Mm. um, you have a you have a podcast that reaches around the world that people listen to. How do you quantify that? There's lives or people who are being affected by that. They're thinking about their lives. There's trajectory shifts. Uh, you can't quantify that. You can't put a, a finite number on that because that's an infinite, you know, um, creation that you've put out in the world that came from an infinite source. And it just costs you a few minutes, mm. if you want to put it that way. This the return on investment is not even in the same ballpark. <laughs> I mean, I've tried to do the math on it, Jamal, and uh, I'm sure it's much bigger than what I calculated. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Um, now I, I already know that I could sit and talk to you all day, and I, I really have to find my focus here. Um, so one of the things that uh, is coming up for me that I wanted to raise with you is, um, you know, no doubt people would be coming to you hanging on to the past and, you know, again, when we talk about meditation and being present and being in the now, um, it does help with starting to let go of the past but sometimes it's a bit hard to let that stuff go and understand, you know, just leave it where it belongs. Um, How do you help people sort of heal from past wounds and get into the now? That's, I love the question. Well, it, it is a process for sure. And anything that we anything that we experience that doesn't feel pleasant, the human tendency 
right? It's a survival technique is to avoid it or to move away from it because, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's that fight or flight mechanism. Yep. It's that, that mechanism to protect us, right? So if we touch a hot stove, we're going to back away from it because it protects us. But emotional disturbance, any time of, any time we feel an emotion that doesn't feel pleasant, the tendency is either to, well, it could be to 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 numb it, and that's where addictive, mm-hmm. you know, uh, patterns may come in. Uh, another tendency would be to get busy, distract yourself from it. Another tendency is to find a, an external reason for it, to, so you can kind of blame it or mm-hmm. attack it, or you know, but. Typically, when we when I work with somebody and we start this work of meditation, people, if there's a past, if there's some trauma, which, you know, who doesn't have trauma? You mm. know, we all have experienced things. What happens is the body, as you know, the body keeps the score that the energy uh, from the past gets stuck in the body mind construct. That's where the energy is. So when you create space. What's going to happen a lot of times is that energy is going to come up to the surface. Now, I always say you don't have to get rid of that energy. It will. It's it's trying to leave. It's trying to pass through you because and and the reason that um, it hasn't been able to is because we haven't created space for it. So it's crazy. And I've worked with a lot of people that maybe will struggle with anxiety. For example, let's say this chronic anxiety, and I can't tell you how many people have said, "I just." I'll say, "What what would you like to?" You know. Let's get clear about what you want to achieve in the coaching process. And a lot of times they'll say, I just want to get rid of this damn anxiety. I just can't. I hate it. I'll say, okay. But um, first thing we have to do is we have to make it our friend. There's actually anxiety is not a problem. Like we want to welcome it, which can seem like a foreign concept. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, well, why would I ever want to do that? It's the problem. Well, because it's a conversation. Everything you feel is a conversation. You welcome conversations. There's ways to have the conversation that doesn't uh, create um, disempowerment. So you can have this conversation in a way that empowers you and liberates you and heals you. How do you do that? Well, the prince, there's a, uh, a friend of mine taught me this, and I tell people that in my coaching work all the time, what you feel, you heal. Mm. But what you don't feel, you don't heal. What you can't feel, you can't heal. But what you feel, you heal. So we're going to learn how to feel without resistance. And that's a process, right? And um, be, and one of the things that prevents us from feeling, and anything you feel is the past, right? So when you feel this this uh, discomfort or this sense of trauma or anxiety or whatever it may be, I like to ask the question, like, when is that? When is that, right? Because it's not now. It's okay now. If we just look at this moment the way it is, it's okay now. Whatever, it's, it's fine. But it's, it's coming from the past. Something may be triggering it in this moment, right? There could be something here that triggers this. But in order for something to be triggered, it has to be there already. Well, where did it come from? Mm. It came from the past. Some some situation or that maybe that's needing to be processed. And, and emotion, I like to say this, is that emotion begins with the letter E, which stands for energy. So energy and motion, emotion, energy and motion. So this is energy inside that's trying to move. And I said, we want to let it move because it's trying to come out. It's it's a good thing. So um, one of the ways to do that is just to locate it physically in the body. I always ask people, when is it? And then where is it? So when I say when it is like, you know, have you ever felt this way before? Yes. When can you remember? And usually... Something will come. We'll say, okay, you remember feeling this way at a previous point. It's usually some memory associated with it. Okay, no problem. Let's just feel it. 
Where is it? It's in the chest, it's in the head, it's in the neck, it's in the stomach. It could be a lot of different places. Let's just feel, let's get clear about where the tightness is, where the sensation is. And we just feel it. And then I like to even put a hand, you just put your hand there and just feel it. It doesn't mean anything. It's just energy in motion. Mm. And if the, the mind wants to create a narrative, that's okay. That's just a narrative. It's a story. But this, what's happening right now, if we can just tune in to the sensation, it's got a sensation and it's just energy. And what we'll find is, you know, we breathe through it, take some deep breaths through it to move it. The breath helps, helps the energy move. And, and after a few minutes, we always find it gets a little lighter after you just feel it. This is why like sometimes, and we'll do this naturally, you know, let's say you feel sadness, you have a good cry. And then there's an end to that. Mm. You feel a little lighter. Why do you feel lighter? Because you just moved that energy. So we just learn to do this as it comes up, you know, um, throughout the, throughout our days. And, you know, life is always trying to free us. And so if, if you have a lot of pent up trauma from the past, you'll have a lot of triggers. That's a great thing. So we want to stop fighting the triggers, resisting mm. the triggers. We have to learn how to welcome them into our experience to learn how to feel them and take the time to feel them. It's not pleasant and it's very challenging, but I always say it's the, it's the hardest, easiest work you'll do because what happens is by getting present with it, you get lighter over time Mm. and that feels really good. Yeah. And it's, well, there's again, a lot there underneath that, but consciousness uh, for one, you know, like a lot of people, I don't know, we just don't want to feel the feels. You know, we want to yeah. we want to numb it. We don't want to face it. We don't want to get real with ourselves. Um, but we're just not aware. A lot of people just don't have self awareness of of what what all this is. And it's like we've been programmed to um, to mask all of these things that make us human. You know, like mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, you you got that that energy that's sitting in your solar plexus. Yeah, that's because of this. You know, just breathe through it, work through it, you know, and there's other therapies that you can do as well that can clear that right from your energy field. Um, And I can say wholeheartedly I've done that myself and it is an incredible healing. If you can invest Mm. in that, it's the best thing you can do. Um, But I think just getting in touch with ourselves and understanding, you know, it's okay to feel. We're human. That's what humans do. We have emotions. We have feelings. They're all connected. And, you know, things like anxiety. And that's a profound thing you just said there. It's okay to feel. Like I know that that sounds so easy to say, but it's so profound. Mm. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. It doesn't matter. It could be unpleasant. It's okay to feel it. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to feel it. And just to the the point that we're conditioned to a point that we shouldn't cry, you know. We shouldn't get upset. We shouldn't get angry. Like – we're humans. We have a broad spectrum of emotions and feelings that half the time we mask or we hide and then that then gets pent up in, in energy and that can do physical things to us if we don't deal with it. So, you know, anxiety in itself, we're programmed to have that anxiety for survival. It's not that's a bad right. thing. It's not a bad thing. Nope. But if, you know, it becomes chronic, that's where it does become a bad thing. If we don't actually use it in an effective way, that's where it does become an issue. But I think, you know, another thing is that we we sometimes own these things. Like they become our story, you know. That's We're like right. I am anxiety. I am anxious, you know. I am angry. I am this. No, you're not. You're you. 
You're not all your emotions and all your feelings. They're just a thing you experience. Such a a powerful point. That's a powerful point. Mm. Yeah, whatever you identify with, um, if it's not in alignment with the truth of who you are, it will cause suffering. So, you know, you have anger, but you cannot be angry. (laughs) Um, You know, you can have this, you can have the energy of anger, uh, but uh, who you are is... um, is free, you know, there's, there, you are expansive, you're love, you're these, you know, when we identify the truth of who we are, it doesn't feel um, restrictive in any way, shape or form. And that's how, you know, I always say, people say, well, how can you tell, you know, how do I know if what you're saying is correct? I'm like, you don't really need to even believe what I'm saying. You can feel, you can t- tune in energy again, doesn't lie. Energy has a certain uh, sensation that is there to show you where the alignment is. And, um, when, you know, if you just say, I'm, I'm an angry person, how does that feel mm. when you say that? Just how does let's tune in. Do you like that? No, we don't like it. Where, why, what does it feel like to, to own that identity? Doesn't feel good. What's the showing you that's not in alignment with the truth. You can say, I feel angry. That feels a little bit liberating. Mm. Feels a little bit, you can say when you're feeling angry, you go, I feel angry. It's a little lighter when you say that because mm. you're allowing yourself to feel it without identification. Identification prevents you from feeling. And it, it, this is it. It's all conditioning and programming that just yeah. blurts out of our mouth, gets out there into the ecosystem and we're like, yep, I'm owning that. But really it's not ours to own. And if we just stop for a minute, take a breath, as you say, and actually assess what's going on for what it is, um, Wow. It just changes the whole energy and what you experience and what your outcome is going to be. If I think Absolutely. that's probably the number one advice we could give to anyone today. Just take a breath. Take a step back, take a breath. Yes. <laughs> so good. Absolutely. Now, Jamal, tell us about your book. Yes. Um, I, in 2019, I released a book called uh, Living for a Living. And the reason for that title is because, as I mentioned you know, my, uh, growing up with my dad from, uh, you know, coming from a, an, an impoverished part of the world and, and my mother too, um, generationally speaking, there's a lot of just generational struggle and poverty. And, um, I, I was always asking the question, the deepest question, like, why am I here? Like, what's the point of this? And I would watch my parents and what I, what I picked up from them. And I'm so appreciative of the, their struggles and sacrifices for, for me and for, you know, even just to make our life work, it was it was not easy for them and where they came from and a lot of the stuff they had to work through in their own life. Um, but what I was picking up on was it seems like from just watching the world around me that we're just here to to go to school, get a, a good education, to get a good job, to make some money to pay the bills and then to die. And that was deeply like there that that never resonated with me. And I remember asking my parents, that question, what, what, what are we doing? What's this for? And, you know, then of course, throughout my life, people would ask the question, you know, we all get to ask, what do you do for a living? And my mother, um, she, she had a good, when I say good job from the background that she came from, if you had a government job, you had good benefits, good pay, you're set. It's like hit the lottery, you know? Um, so, and that's what she did. She got a job with the, with our state. I lived, grew up in Ohio. So she worked for the state government. It's a good job. It was stable. She good, good, took care of our family. My dad, same thing, you know, and, um, 
but my mother, I remember this as a child. Some days she would get up in the morning and she'd throw up because she was sick to her stomach. She dreaded her job. She hated her job so much that she just could not see herself going to work every day, but she did it for 30 years and retired. And she had, you know, so many health issues and um, just struggled with her life um, because, but she, she did what she knew was the right thing. But I watched that and I thought that's not living. She, she, she did the best she could with what she had. So I, I don't, there's no judgment on that. But for me, I'm looking for my life I'm going, there is no desire for that in my life. And I recognized at that point, even as a child, I recognized that there's a difference between survival and living. And, and I wanted to know, is it possible that we could live for a living, not for survival, but actually for a living, that we could live with our life? And that involved, uh, it took me a long time to realize that, oh, there is a kind of work we're here to do in the world. We're all here to work. We all have a quote unquote job, if you want to use that language, we all have we all have work to do in this world, but your true life's work comes online or comes into view when it's not about survival. It's not about paying the bills yet. We need to pay the bills, right? We need we need finance finances to come in, and and I realize that there's actually no conflict um, when we discover our life's work and we get into alignment with the why as to why are we here. And we learn to move into that work, then everything you need, survival-based, you know, the things that people spend their whole life working for, it'll be there. You don't have to worry about that. It will come with that. And so Living for a Living is, is, is a book about moving out of a survival-based economy, survival-based career to your purpose-based, service-based, love-based career and work. And just my journey, it's not an easy, it's not a seamless journey. It was just took me years to, to 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 flesh this out in my own life. And so living for a living it really kind of goes into detail about what that looked like in my life. And then it kind of seeks to shift some paradigms around money, around work, and that kind of thing. I love that. And you know, I I guess I'm a living example of of one of those people who's sort of doing the both, like <laughs> doing doing a job to pay the bills, but also having this this purpose on the side. Um, and there's so many people who are are doing that just to survive and to also um, thrive. Um, so yeah, that's that's a very interesting concept to just have that one path would um, would actually make things a lot easier and and give greater outcomes for the world. Mm, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Now, uh, Jamal, if people want to find out more about you and they want to get a hold of your book, where can they go? Yeah, probably the easiest easiest way is to just go to my website. Um, it's jamaljavanji.com, uh, first and last name, jamaljavanji.com. And on there, you know, my, ba- my book is available on Amazon, um, so people can go there, but all the links to that is on the website and, uh, it's probably the easiest place to go. Amazing. Now I've got the last big question for you. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Mm. You know, the thing, when I think of the globe and I think of the world, I think of, I'm just, I have a, almost an unsatiable appetite for peace and, not just peace, like the the absence of conflict. I mean, peace in the way that understands that we're actually inhabiting this planet together, not separately, but together. 
and there it is possible for us to all win and benefit. So uh, instead of being competitors, you know, in the in the idea in the traditional idea of competitors, where in order for one country to do well, another country has to do less well. I, it's just my firm uh, observation because because the nature and the source of of existence is abundant. My I am passionate about seeing countries societies benefit each other um, and work together to achieve. I know this may sound like pie in the sky and oh someday and but it's it's definitely possible uh, to to not see one another as a threat but to see each other as um, partners in abundance. And what a world this would be if we could have a world like that. And I think it starts with us individually seeing ourselves from this place of abundance and then starting to interact with one another from that place. And then obviously, you know, as, as the all collective consciousness is, as individual consciousness that has um, went through an evolution. So I'm passionate about um, seeing conflict end on the planet. And I think it's entirely possible. It's our trajectory. So anytime there's war or conflict, Anything there, anytime there's something we don't want, what it does is it helps us get very clear about what we do want. And so it serves the purpose of contrast. Contrast shows us what we actually want and uh, what we want exists. Otherwise, we wouldn't want it. Mm. And I think what you've described there is exactly the whole mission of this podcast um, because it, mm. it is all about, you know, creating that collective change, but it all starts with us. Like we're all on this same planet mm. together and um, something – I started saying when when COVID hit back in the day was, you know, what I do today impacts your tomorrow. So we're all on the Mm. same planet. You know, Mm -hmm. you might be in California, I might be in Brisbane, but, you know, we we impact each other energetically, environmentally, you know, in ways that we don't even recognise. So we're we're all in the same house, <laughs> basically. Absolutely. Um, and and also what you say there in terms of contrast, you know, all these these bad things we perceive as bad in the world, they all have a purpose. You know. They do. Um, and we need to understand that because without the good, we don't have the bad. We don't have the light mm. without the dark. So, Jamal, like I said, I could talk to you all day, um, but we'd probably put people to sleep. So. I'm going to wrap it here and thank you so much for being a part of the ethical evolution. Uh, my pleasure, Bindi. Thank you so much. And thank you for just creating this podcast and the time and energy. I know as a content creator that that doesn't just happen. That takes a lot of intentionality and work. And so I appreciate you creating this podcast and creating space for this conversation to happen. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Unapologetically Fab.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.